Welcome to the Dying Desk Podcast, The Road to Tokyo. We're talking BMX today, and BMX made its Olympic debut in racing in 2008 at the Beijing Olympics. BMX traces its roots back to a guy named Scott Breithaupt. He was an old-school motorcycle motocross racer, total dude, considered to be the founding father of BMX racing. The letters BMX are an abbreviation for bicycle motocross or bike motocross, and it really took off in California. No surprise there, right? Low cost, super fun. In 1982, here's your fun fact. The movie E.T. came out. And if you remember that final chase scene on the bike, that's really what made BMX so popular and mainstream. I mean, that's when my brother got one. And I used to take his bike all the time because it was so much fun. So flash forward to the 2020 games and Tokyo is debuting five new sports and BMX freestyle is one of them. So here's how freestyle works. First, it all takes place in a park and the athletes do tricks on obstacles like walls and box jumps. They have 60 seconds to do these tricks, and they're very much like, I think, acrobats on bikes. They get scored on difficulty, originality, execution, height, and creativity. Two-time world champion Hannah Roberts, an American, is the favorite for gold. She is, brace herself, 19. Yet, she's a teenager. And if she wins, she could become the youngest U.S. cycling medalist since 1912 and the first woman in her teens to win an Olympic cycling medal from any country. And she's doing it in a sport that right now, in her words, is clawing its way toward pay and competition equity. And that is a huge reason why that Olympic gold would be such a big deal to her. And Olympic gold is a platform for change. And she admits right now, she's one of the few women who can actually make a living in her sport, but she wants the girls coming up behind her to have that kind of opportunity as well. Now on this dying to ask how the pandemic brought on the lowest point in Hannah's life, how she dug out of it and what she had to decide for herself about motivation that I think has a lot of lessons for the rest of us. What she says is the key to following through on goals. She's only 19 and she's completely figured this one out. Oh, and she's a newlywed, so the pandemic wasn't all that bad. We'll get into the impact of having that kind of support at home this year. And then my favorite interaction is right at the end. I didn't really see this coming. I just asked her casually, like, did you ever just ride a bike to get somewhere? And her answer is pretty priceless. Hannah Roberts is my guest this week on Dying to Ask. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Hannah Roberts, welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are in North Carolina right now, and you just moved there with your wife. Yep. Yep. Uh, moved in October uh, 2020. We bought our first house. So. That's awesome. And you're a newlywed. I mean, you're only 19, but you're, I mean, you've crammed a lot of life into a year quarantine. <laughs> you got married, you moved, you bought a house. Yeah. Um, you know, it was an off year, but it was a great year. Um, very thankful for it. Very thankful to have the time at home for me to build a, build a, you know, solid relationship and, you know, have, have a home base and, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's been a good year. It's been a busy year and um, I'm looking forward to, you know, moving forward and seeing what's next. It's interesting how many athletes have said that they have been able to make some like major life changes or life decisions during the year off because they weren't traveling, they weren't competing. They actually had time. And for a lot of them, especially some of you, you young ones, it's the first time you've ever had kind of a break from commitments. Yeah. I, uh, since I was like 14, 13 or 14, I've been gone for at least half the year, um, which made school a little hard. Uh, but we got it done. And, um, you know, just having that year off, it was, it was super weird not going anywhere. Um, usually, you know, we're going to like nine or 10 countries a year and we're always gone. We're like either training or competing. So having that year at home, like I really took advantage of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I just made, made the best possible, you know, c- scenario out of what happened. So. Yeah. It sounds like it. So how'd you guys end up in North Carolina? Um, I, was living with my athletic trainer um, in in Raleigh, North Carolina for about a year because um, that's where I like to train and everything. Um, so, you know, I was here for a bit. I never, like, I just rented a room in her house. Like, I never really, like, had my own, you know, place or anything like that. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. I was going to buy a, a house or, or rent an apartment. I didn't really know which way I wanted to go. Um, but she's, uh, she's, in the military so she's you know here and uh yeah we just we were like you know what let's buy a house and let's let's get it done because it's you know it's the best time to do it and yeah yeah well and it's a beautiful part of the country and that's actually where a lot of the bmx competitors are apparently training and these are competitors from all over the world so you also have great competition to be around which i'm sure is critical as well especially in a year when you haven't been competing yeah it was it was that was extremely helpful just you know um a lot of people kind of went quiet on social media so you couldn't really see what anybody was doing um there was months where like nobody would post and you're like how good are they getting like (laughs) being able to ride with I I ride with two of my competitors and being able to ride with them like it really like gave me that extra motivation because they have been absolutely killing it this year and uh you know it was it was just like they're doing this like I gotta I gotta continue like I gotta step up my game and you know we pushed Uh. each other that was because normally you'd get that from competition but you're right not having that competition that's that one thing that you can't recreate by yourself yeah yeah so I was I was talking to a coach recently and he was saying he couldn't believe how much information people give up on social media especially on Instagram he said like they're doing their Instagram stories he goes and I'm I'm writing down what time were they training what were they eating like like he said, it's so funny, like how, how free some people are with information. But then I thought, well, maybe they also like put out some red herring. So it's not necessarily what you're thinking <laughs> or doing, but it's also complicated this year. Yeah, it, it was, it was weird. Um, you know, everybody was still like kind of posting just like a little bit. And it was like, okay, like I've seen that, like I've seen you do that. So like, have you learned anything new? And then obviously they have, and they've all, I mean, everybody's been just working this year while we have the time. So it's like, but like, what have you been doing? And, and <laughs> you weren't giving that stuff away. And like, for me, I'm like, I was, I was posting everything. I was like, whatever. I mean, I have a few things that I kept hidden, but you know, my, my biggest motivation is like being better than myself the day before. So yeah, um, yeah, I just posted whatever. And I, I know it didn't really make some of my coaches very happy, but like, I mean, I, I posted that trick, everybody's seen it. So then it gives me motivation to learn something else. So then, you know, I continue to, you know, raise myself. So yeah, it was, I love that. 
yeah, my technique was way different than anybody else's. <laughs> Where does that drive come from for you? Is that just, is that something you have to work on or is that just you? Um, I like to believe that I'm personally really driven person. Um, but I had to, I had to find my, what, what really motivated me. And, you know, I, I looked when I was younger, I looked everywhere for it. You know, I just, I knew that I loved riding my bike, but the pushing force behind that was more of uh, me wanting to be the best athlete that I could be not even just like the best freestyle BMX rider that I could be, but I wanted to push myself to every boundary that I could possibly do. Um, and obviously with BMX, uh, I figured out my fears and I figured out how to get around my fears. I figured out how to work within my own head. So, um, that was really beneficial. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to be the best version of myself, um, on and off my bike as possible. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my only driving force really. You just, you just said something that I think is so true for so many of us, especially coming out of this last year is I have to figure out what really motivates me. So how would you tell other people who maybe don't have a sport like yours that, you know, can maybe answer that question? How can people find out what motivates them? Do you think? You know, I didn't, I didn't find out um, what motivated me until I hit my lowest moment. And, you know, it was, there was, there was a few times where I was, you know, pretty low and, and everything. Um, but I think, I think with the Olympics being postponed is when I hit my lowest moment, because that was at, at the time that was my driving force, the Olympics being, being the best, get, being able to bring home that gold medal. Like that was my entire focus point. And then having them push back a year, I had no idea what to do. Um, so I took a few weeks off my bike and I really, found myself within that few weeks um and you know I just I just wanted to have a new motivation and you know I talked to some people I had you know a sports psych and we talked it out and you know the best thing for me to do was one find out why I fell in love with the sport so I went and just rode some random skate parks just you know hung out just you know and um that that was my whole thing I was like I fell in love with the sport because I didn't know my possibilities. And, and, you know, it was just like kind of relearning myself is how I figured it out. So, yeah. Do you think, do you think a lot of people even outside of your sport are kind of in the same position right now where they got to figure out like, what do I actually like anymore? Yeah, it was, it was such a weird year. Um, you know, we had all that time and, uh, there was, there was a while where, you know, especially when, when you're traveling constantly, you know, coming home from one trip, getting ready to pack for the next, like, you are on this schedule and you kind of forget a part of yourself. And, you know, I never wanted to be like that. And, you know, I, I realized that I got like that a few times and uh, just taking that time to step back and be like, you know what, today I'm not going to ride. Like I am going to go and do whatever I want to do. And that, that was the biggest thing for me is to, to get out of my routine and to get away from like, the set schedule of always doing things. So, yeah. That is, I think that is such good advice for all of us, regardless. It's sometimes just flipping the script and giving yourself permission. And especially as an elite athlete to say, I'm going to not do the sport today is kind of a big deal. I mean, it takes a lot of maturity to realize that's the right thing to do for yourself. Yeah. It's always about, you know, everybody, everybody, especially athletes um, that I've talked to, you know, they're always like, I can't ride today. Like my muscles hurt. And obviously listening to your body is extremely important when you're an athlete, but 
you're not you're not going to be able to perform at your best if you're mentally not there either um so for me like yeah I, I take one off day a week um which is Sundays and just to let my body heal but whenever my head is just like too stressed and I just can't do anything anymore I just you know I have to take the day off because I know going to the skate park and putting myself through that situation knowing that I'm not there just going to aggravate me and you know put more pressure on myself so you know just just trying to I guess trying to work it out before it gets to like yeah you really have to know yourself okay let's talk about your sport it's so awesome (laughs) it's for people who have not seen it everything you do takes place in 60 seconds and your sport will be making its Olympic debut in Tokyo. BMX in general entered in 2008. And I was there for that. It was awesome, but freestyle is a little different and it is fun. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bit different than racing. Racing's focused on just, you know, how fast you can go around the track and, and who can get there first. And, you know, um, and there's certain rules like, you know, stealing somebody's land or whatever, um, that you can't do, but for BMX freestyle, it's, it's open. It's you and your bike and you have 60 seconds to do your best line with your best tricks, um, with, you know, the best landings and, and, and carrying the most speed as possible. Like, uh, you know, it, it's really, it's really a sport where you could just put your heart and soul into whatever you want to do and it's possible. Um, so yeah, I love BMX and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything that I do. I I can't say there was a day where I was like, I have to do this because you don't. So why, and maybe this is a hard question to answer, but like, why are you so good at it? Do you know? No, honestly, um, honestly, I, 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 I would love to, you know, give an exact reason, but you know, throughout, I, I mean, I've been riding for 11 years. This, this is not like a, a, you know, picked up the bike last week and I got where I am. It's, it's been years in the making and there's been, you know, failures and there's been successes. And, um, I just, you know, I wanted, it's mostly about the environment that you put yourself in and the way that you look at things. Um, I've always tried to look at things, especially on my bike, pretty positively. There's times where, you know, my head gets to me and, and things turn negative pretty quickly. Um, but, growing up, I rode with, you know, kids who, who loved the sport and who wanted to do the sport. And that really pushed me because we could compete with each other without even knowing it. We, you know, we, whoever landed the trick first didn't have to buy lunch. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that right there, like you're going to owe a lot of lunches. If you win the Olympic gold, you realize that, right? <laughs> like forever you're buying lunch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just about, it was, I like the little competition drive that, you know, could happen at every practice, but not only that, it's, you know, I, I put in hours on the bike, obviously. Um, you know, when, when I was younger, I would, I would go Saturdays and Sundays and ride 18 hours just on the weekends, not, not even counting the week. Um, so I put in the time on my bike and, you know, now I'm back to putting in time in the gym and on my bike. And, you know, I watch the videos and I look at everything. So my life is, is really based around BMX, you know? Um, so, you know, that might be, that might be a reason or, you know, it just might be. Yeah. You're just, you're just good. You know, yeah. like you're just wired. You're just good. But it was also kind of in your family. Didn't you get into it because of a cousin or something? Uh, yeah. My cousin was actually, um, a professional, um, and, uh, you know, he was, he was 
really, really good. He was at, at the top of the game. And then in 2012, he fell and had a TBI. Um, mm. So um, it was in the sport. And, you know, he, he helped me. And his, his dad ended up taking me to a few um, uh, skate parks, you know. And, and he actually built my local skate park and that I rode in South Bend, um, Indiana. And, uh, yeah, so he definitely was, was a huge, huge help. And, um, you know, now, now he still likes to help the kids in the area and, and, you know, yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely, I think, you know, in the family, if it wasn't, I, I don't know how, how different it would have been, but yeah. Is in your sport with being an Olympic debut, is the Olympics a big deal? Because it was some sport, some extreme sports going into the Olympics, it's not necessarily as big a deal because you have X games and other competitions that, you know, financially or sponsorship wise can be much more lucrative or maybe just have more prestige. What about like within BMX freestyle is the Olympics and a debut, a big deal. Um, for the people who ride the big events, the, the world cups and everything like that, it's a huge deal. Um, because, you know, we could see the, the effect that it could have. And, um, you know, especially for the women's side, we don't get paid equally all the time. Um, there's only a few events where we get paid equally. So the Olympics being equal in every aspect, like that's a huge deal. That's a huge driving force because we do have an event at the X Games, obviously, um, but women don't. So men get to ride it, but women don't. We don't get any invites. There's no competition. There's no pay. There's nothing. Um, they gave us demos and I stopped doing that because they didn't want anything more than a demo. So um, to have the Olympics, I feel like it's going to be a huge driving force. It's going to push more companies to get behind BMX riders and, you know, to really support, to make this, to help make this a career for, you know, other people who want to do it. And, uh, yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there are some kids that just really enjoy riding bikes, don't really care to compete. And they're like the Olympics. Okay. Like, but <clears throat> I think overall, it's just going to benefit our sport and make it, make it a little bit easier to make it a career because it is very, very hard. You have to be very good at budgeting and everything. So, and that really, it's interesting. I guess I shouldn't be surprised given where, you know, even like female road cycling has been for the last couple of years, trying to push for um, inclusion and pay equity. I guess I shouldn't be surprised with BMX yet. Somehow I kind of am because to me, I watch videos of you at work and I look at it and I go, how could that girl not be the most marketable thing ever? <laughs> you know, it's so impressive. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a bit, it's been a bit weird. Um, you know, I, I have amazing sponsors behind me. I'm very thankful for everything that they've been, you know, that they stand behind me for. Um, but there are, there are companies who, who, you know, don't necessarily want me on their team just because I don't look like your average girl. Like I'm, I'm very, very muscular, like, very wide shoulders, you know, no hair, whatever. Um, you know, but I'm just myself and, and I don't think that I'm going to change for anybody. So, um, <clears throat> there is still a little bit of discretion towards that, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's been getting better and there's been girls get picked up by major companies and, you know, I'm stoked to see it because, you know, we, we do, we haven't had the support that the men have had. The men have had like support since like 1970 or something like that's when they started since, but, it, be, since it began right yeah yeah and our contest we just started having girls contest at every event and and you know the world series and everything in 2016 so we're still like fresh and our level is just especially this last year has been crazy rising um so i'm excited to see what the future holds but yeah there there are still contests that you know i think there's only three or four contests that pay equal
Gosh, that's just amazing. Well, you know what? A gold medal sure does help break barriers, doesn't it? Yes, ma'am, it does. <laughs> it's a platform, if nothing else. So you got married this year. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, that I... <laughs> Yeah. For people, and since people are listening to this, I just want to say, like I said, you got married and the biggest smile came on your face. So it's <laughs> clearly newly, newlywed life is agreeing with you, but I mean, big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have an amazing wife and, you know, she's so supportive. And, uh, I think, I think that was probably my best decision I've ever made hands down. Um, you know, I, I, we, I proposed on Thanksgiving in 2020 and we got married January 1st. We had a small ceremony in Montana. Um, and yeah, it was, it was one of the best decisions she's been there. She was my, my major supporter, um, getting me through last year. Um, she knew how hard it hit and, you know, she was there the whole step, uh, every step of the way. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have necessarily made it out as strong as I did of 2020 if she wasn't there. So, um, it was, it was a no brainer and, uh, yeah, love married life and, and yeah, it's just been great. That's great. Well, now you just need the gold medal. And then that will be just like, check off the whole year, new house, new life, (laughs) getting back on track. It's awesome. So, so let me just wrap up real quickly with, you know, I, I just, again, I just love what you said about like finding your own personal motivation and this, this podcast, nine desk podcast, we've really looked in the last year at how do you come out of this last crazy year that we've all gone through, um, with the pandemic and how do you live a bigger life? How do you live a better life? How do you go after goals? What would you say you would tell people? Do you have maybe like a couple of tips you might tell them about finding the strength within yourself each day to go after whatever it is you want? You, your, your goals have to be, or your goals have to mean more than you or to you than your doubts do. And um, you know, there's some days where I'm like, like, I don't think that I can get up to go to the gym. Um, but you know, my goal, I have a goal and it's, it's to do extremely well at the Olympics. And, um, you know, so for me, that that's my whole driving motivation. That's, that's getting me out of bed. That's, you know, dragging me to the gym, whether I want to go or not. And that's keeping my head on straight. So figuring out what you want to do and making sure that that goal, whether, you know, is just depending on how, or making it, more important than whatever your mind can come up with like um obviously out of that last year that people probably hit their all-time lowest I know I did um they they, it was it was hard for you know everything and anything that you wanted to do you just couldn't so you know using that as motivation everything is just going to go up from here but you have to put in the work and you have to like actually want to do it with every ounce of you um that's, I mean, that's what gets me through my days. So, yeah. I can't believe you're only 19. I mean that, in, I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. I'm much older than 19 and I don't have a fraction of what you got going on. <laughs> I think you're just wonderful. So what are the best ways for people to keep up with you in the next couple of months? Because clearly you're spilling all your secrets on Instagram with your tricks. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, Instagram, my Instagram's, uh, Hannah underscore Roberts underscore BMX or uh, my Facebook page. I, I occasionally post on there. It's just Hannah Roberts BMX. And uh, I'll post my, I'm posting my entire journey to the Olympics on my Instagram. Um, you know, so yeah. Well, that's the closest a lot of us are going to get to the actual Olympics this year. So we appreciate you doing that. 
Hannah's wife and family will not get to go to Tokyo. Her wife is in the military, so that was going to be challenging schedule-wise. But her parents aren't going to get to go either because Japan is having to ban foreign spectators. And that's hard. We talked a lot about that after the interview, and she said that her great sponsors are sending out goodies and packages to the families during the Olympics to make them feel the excitement a little bit. And her parents are talking about putting her competition up on a jumbotron in Michigan. I mean, like, the Roberts family goes big. I love that. But there is just something about being there if you're the parent, you know, even if you're in a nosebleed seat, which most of the time you are. <laughs> but, you know, even if you can't spend time with your kid at the Olympics, which a lot of families spend very little actual time because the athletes are so busy, but the athlete knowing that you are there in the same time zone, in the city, in the stadium, them knowing you're there after a lifetime of sacrifice for the entire family is kind of everything. And that's one thing that will be very different for athletes this summer. I've done the athlete parent stories at the Olympics for years. I love them. Um, and I did them for years before I actually had kids myself. And while I enjoyed them before I had kids, I didn't really understand them until I became a parent myself. And now I'm you know, basically the same age as a lot of these athletes' parents, the young ones anyway, and I definitely relate to them on a whole new level. I hope you'll follow Hannah on Instagram and you can follow me as well. You'll find me at Run, Read, Sip. Sorry, I got really serious there for a minute. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. All right, you'll find me at Run, Read, Sip on Instagram and I'll give you a gold medal if you screenshot this episode on social or you leave a rating or review. It only takes a minute and it's greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening to Dying to Ask the Road to Tokyo and I'll catch you next time.